0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: Defense! Defense! All the hard work, let's go! College football today.
0: Back on college football today. 12 o'clock games are just on the way. We'll keep you updated for the next hour. We were talking about Iowa Northwestern. Very intriguing battle. Northwestern pushed Notre Dame to the limit. Last week couldn't get the victory, couldn't get the cover. They were catching nine and a half, lost by ten. Now they play a team in Iowa that they defeated last year, Rich, in overtime and two years ago did get the victory in Iowa City. It's a very tricky line.
1: I'm gonna go with Iowa here. I don't it's not one of my best bets, yeah. but I do like the Hawkeyes. Yeah, one of my better best uh, one of my better best bets of the day. That sounds odd. odd. Better. Um best best. one of my best bets of the day, uh, is Northwestern. I, I mean I know it it looks very baity like I'm trying to be baited into this, but uh, Northwestern has won 12 of their last yeah. 13 Big Ten games. Think about that. Last 13 Big Ten games, 12-1, and 1, including 6-0 and 0 on the road. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that has been very resilient. I know they have flaws. I know they're unbalanced offensively, but the defense is very good. What has Iowa shown us recently to lead me to believe that they should be a double-digit favorite is it still? Last time I looked, it was ten and a half. Uh, I don't know if you have yeah, current numbers, it, uh, but
0: I, I saw ten. It's like trickled down. There's been a little money on Northwestern, just a tinge, you know, to knock
1: it down from yeah, ten and a I half. Yeah, I mean, and then I, and then I look at your beautiful shirt. I see the purple. I'm picturing Pat Fitzgerald in purple. You like it? It's beautiful. I'm right? <laughs> picturing Clayton Thorson and Isaiah Bowser, a little Flynn Nagel on offense. I, I I can't see where there's a 10-point separation. When I looked, let me see, what did I have? I, you know what I had this line on Sunday before the lines came out? You had it four. I had it four and a half. Yeah, see? I, I thought I'm this was a mind. four and a half I mean, point. I'm one. into your mind. I mean, do you think this is a, do you think there's a 10 and a half point gap between Northwestern and Iowa? It, listen, it's freezing in Iowa. Right. Okay, this morning it was 10 degrees in Iowa. I took the first flight out of Waterloo Village from Iowa to here in New York City. And I just think this is a game that's going to be very low-scoring, close well, to the vest, and uh, and Northwestern wins it outright. Maybe
0: Duffel Bag Boy believes that way, too, because the line is down to, in terms of the total, is 42-and-a-half. Okay. So here's the thing, I think, when you look at the 10-and-a-half, 10-point number in terms of this matchup. Teams that uh, Iowa struggle against traditionally are more wide-open teams like Purdue that could stretch them vertically. Northwestern, even though they're a heavy, pass-heavy offense, They're a one-dimensional offense that can only run the football. They're averaging around 95 rushing yards per game. They're getting better slowly, but they're not going to be able to get into short third-down situations unless they attack them over the top on each and every down, and I think that's where it favors Iowa. I, I looked at this, and I was curious, because Florida State's ranked 125th, Uh, out of 129 teams in terms of rushing offense. You know who's in that last five group in terms of five teams? Last five in FBS in terms of rushing. Got to be Northwestern. Northwestern, Stanford, Washington State, San Jose State, Florida State. Wow. That's the bottom. Now, Washington State, we know why. Because they, they chuck it 55, 60 you know, times a game. Yeah. And they're only averaging 73 yeah, yards. Cam 20. Akers
1: is on Florida State. And Bryce Love is on Stanford. I, so that's I'm just like, saying, so
0: Northwestern, 95 yards per game. Last year with Justin Jackson, they were up in the area of about 150. Let
1: me ask you this. In terms of Iowa, the offense, Nate Stanley's, he's had good weeks. Yeah. He's had bad weeks. Utilizes the tight ends very well. Running game has been so-so this year. You look at that Northwest. Western defense yeah. which has been pretty solid where do the yards and the points come from for iowa especially if weather is is a factor i listen i think this is a three or four point game yeah. could be in the favor of iowa but i think i think this is like a 23 to 20 type of a ball game one shot gonna me. give me we we had uh for our purposes for the show we yeah. had 10 and a half to me that's that's a number that's bloated yeah yeah. So I, i'll take iowa not one of my best picks I, and i will lead this number if i'm not mistaken.
0: 2 years ago in Iowa City I picked Iowa on the show I remember it vividly Northwestern did strike the the outright win in Iowa City in that matchup so they traditionally play Iowa very tough and this game did go into overtime and they did prevail in that matchup by 7 points now go on the road. It's gonna be very intriguing. Could they be tired after the win over uh by Notre Dame, the loss
1: uh last week in well, Evanston, an emotional aspect, that could be the only action. Let me throw out one more number for people wondering who to pick in this game. Uh three thirty game today. Northwestern has not lost on the road this year. Yeah. So it's it's you know, they have they've, they've won six straight Big Ten road games. And they're 3-0 this year on the road. Every one of their games this season decided by 14 points or less. They tend to play close games. Doesn't matter if it's Notre Dame, 10, or if it's Akron by a couple. They play close (laughs) games. That's what Northwestern does. So if you're going to give me 10-plus in a game that would bring them a step closer, keep this in mind also, Northwestern... Two wins away from locking down the Big Ten West, which very few people expected. Now, the next two games are considerably easier. This is the toughest game they have left, but win this game. They're almost assured of playing in the Big Ten yeah, title Yeah, we'll see game. how it plays out. It's 3.30. I believe it is the Fox game front and
0: center stage, so check that out. We'll keep you updated on the scores throughout the day. Here's a line. You talk about Northwestern and Iowa being a fishy line Utah 3, 3.5 over Oregon. Oregon's won four of the last five in the series by 17.7 points per game. Uh, no Tyler Huntley at quarterback. No Zach
1: Moss Tell me how Utah's favored by three points in this ballgame. Well, you know, prior to—my my pick was Utah. I like Utah yeah. over Oregon in this game, particularly Audible? at home. No, <laughs> I'm not going to—I I have no problem audibling. I, I don't—at any point, at any time. If I, get, if I get new information at the right. line of scrimmage, I'm changing plays. Okay. But not here. You know, Utah is one of those programs that— is very resilient because of that staff that they have with Kyle Whittingham. The defense travels well, uh, very well. This is a program that wins based on defense in the running game. Now, initially, I loved Utah because I expected Zach Moss to take some of the heat off of Jason Shelley, who was replacing Huntley. Now, losing Huntley hurts. Losing Moss is devastating. So, I mean, this is going to be difficult. It's going to come down to the defense. They're going to have to shut down Justin Herbert. I think that's what happens at home. They need to bounce back after last week's debacle. Utah does. I think Utah survives in Sac Lake City but with the new backfield it's certainly not going to be yeah, easy. This
0: is strictly on Rice-Eccles Stadium. I think the 3-point uh, spread because you look at teams that traditionally challenge Utah, it's teams that can spread them and challenge them over the top just the way Arizona State did last week in Tempe. I think it's the same type of matchup. Justin Herbert hasn't looked sharp uh for the most part over the last couple of games. I think he breaks out here. This is a Utah defense that is allowing close to 250 passing yards per game. I think speed could be a factor. And when you have an offense in Oregon that's converting close to 45% on third down conversions, you're going to move the change and put pressure on Utah's offense to match them score for score. One elite receivers caught Covey outside of Covey. They don't have a real go-to guy with a new battery mate. I think Oregon wins this ballgame convincingly. I think it's right what I said, 17 points or more in this ballgame. You know, the
1: one thing I've learned about Utah over the years, Joe, is they, they tend, if they're down, they're not down for long. Yeah. Whether that's in season or much like we said about TCU, you know, Gary Patterson has a bad year. He bounces back. Utah tends to bounce back after a bad outing. And they were absolutely embarrassed by Arizona State. And, and just real quickly, I mean, Arizona State and Herm Edwards, I tweeted this out a few days ago. ASU is the only team in the Pac 12 South that still controls its own destiny. So Incredible. If ASU wins out, <laughs> we could be looking at an Arizona State Washington State Pac 12 championship game, which would be exciting, but certainly not what anybody predicted back in August. Nobody, nobody predicted ASU WSU. Gabe, Gabe, Gabe had it. <laughs> Don't tell us he He'll did. T- yeah. I was on Herm. He I was, was all over no, Herm.
0: I'll credit Gabe. He was on Herm against Michigan State, and we were on him credit last week. credit me too, buddy. I had ASU no, in that did, game. You, yes, no, I did, but we on were game. on him last week.
1: uh, Reach over and pat me on the back there for that one.
0: I'm patting you right now. I'm patting you right now. No, great. It was that wasn't great my
1: pat- back, by the way. You patting I can't me reach.
0: I'll uh, be off camera if I did that. But yes, Arizona stay playing very well. Yeah. I just think it's a bad matchup. We'll see how that game plays out. I mean, I am intrigued to see how Utah plays from an offensive perspective in this ball game. Watch the defense. If they fall behind early, though, I mean, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have we, to adjust. We,
1: we don't know anything about Jason Shelley. Yeah. He's a young kid with no experience, so you know that's obvious. I think they take the pressure off Shelley. They get very conservative on offense. They'll run the. Backups behind Zach Moss, but I think it's the defense that steps up. Yeah, I, I sure. think I think long evening for Justin Herbert as he faces a lot of pressure from Bradley and I and the rest of that. Defense. Yeah,
0: we're gonna see. I mean, uh, contrasting styles—that's what makes games. So that's that's an intriguing Pac-12 battle a little bit later today. Let's talk about the huge huge battle in Chestnut yeah. Hill between second-ranked Clemson and Boston College. Boston College uh, playing very well. Did get a, a gutty road win over Virginia Tech, but Clemson has owned the series over the last five meetings, Rich. They're 5-0 and over the Eagles by 26 points per game. I mean, this offense is clicking on all cylinders with Trevor Lawrence. They're rushing for over 200, passing for over 200, and this is an offense in Boston College that still wants to run the football with 8, J. Dylan, twenty is a big number. I know this game was fourteen to seven last year in Death Valley before Clemson pulled away thirty-four to seven. But Clemson's a battle-tested team that wins on the road. I think they win this ball game by twenty-four points. I think they're destined in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I, I mean the atmosphere will be like nothing we often see at Boston College but it's Chestnut Hill though I mean I think you know, they will be fired up though night game nothing that Clemson hasn't seen though. no no I don't think it'll be overwhelming nah. by any stretch but I, I think it'll be fun to see Boston College as amped up as they are Steve Adazio will be you know pumping his chest out uh you know he'll be fired <laughs> uh, Chuck up Amato-ish. About, yes he, he definitely is very chesty um, talking about his dudes and you know uh, BC's got a very good defense led by Zach Allen Eight AJ Dillon is not 100%, will play, but his ankle is not 100%. If BC has any chance of keeping this competitive in the second half, who does it come down to? AJ Dillon. I was going to say Anthony Brown. It's got to be Anthony Brown. Yeah. Listen, they're going to he's going. They're going to key on stopping AJ Dillon. And, and, and that battle at the line of scrimmage, that veteran Boston College offensive line versus that dynamic defensive line of Clemson will be something to watch. But I think they're going to key on stopping A.J. Dillon in the ground game. It's all going to come down to Anthony Brown. Can Anthony Brown complete passes, stretch the defense out a little bit, inject some unpredictability to the Boston College offense. That's the only way they stay in it, but I said it earlier in the show, the more I watch Clemson, the more I feel like they're on an Alabama-type run. The way Alabama gashes opponents, that's what Clemson is doing week in and week out. NC State, to me, that win was impressive. Even though NC State has gone south recently, that was impressive. They are just demoralizing opponents. I think they pull away in the second half behind Travis Etienne.
0: Yeah, I agree. Here's the thing, the matchup that you want to see play out from an offensive perspective. Clemson is averaging around 265 passing yards per game. Boston College is giving up 221 passing yards to opposing offenses. So third downs will be critical. You're talking about a Clemson offense that's uh, converting right in the area of about 48% on third down conversions. And and conversely, their offense still only averaging around 36 to 37%. So to your point, Anthony Brown's going to have to make some plays with the passing game because when you look at Clemson, statistically each and every year they're in the top five of third down defense they're allowing only opposing offenses to convert 27 percent of the time and only giving up 178 passing yards per game so if they could shut down A.J. Dillon force third down and long situations A.J. Brown better make plays over the top and that is
1: the advantage for Clemson and Brett Venables in that matchup Joe we talk about November surprises which always happen this is a weekend that's A little sleepy. We don't have that Alabama LSU caliber game uh, on the schedule. Yeah, BC, I mean, could this be the spot where they shake up the entire playoff picture? Because not only would they hand Clemson their first loss, but how about this? BC would be in the Atlantic Division driver's seat. Incredible. And think about that. I I was down on BC too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Here's the thing that I was impressed with. They'll be fired up. I mean, as long as BC can stay in this game... They'll be fired up in Chestnut Hill. I mean, they've been waiting for this kind of an opportunity for a long time. They have some star players yeah. on both sides of the ball. If BC ever pulled this off, we could be staring down the barrel of a pit bc acc Ugh. title
0: game. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, well, Don't don't even say that. Well, I'll just say this about Boston College that I picked against them a couple of weeks ago against Miami. I was dead wrong. They took chances on first and second down. And in order to win this ballgame against Clemson, you're going to have to break tendency. You're going to need to be aggressive on first and second down to take the pressure off the offensive line because that offensive line going up against possibly the best defensive front in college football, that's where the, Anthony Brown will be pressured. He'll be forced into short to quarterback quick decisions, and that will favor Clemson. But if you take the pressure off of him and pass on first and second down and then look to run the football with Dylan later in the matchup – then you're going to have some opportunities. And I think that, that as long as they do that, they could be in this ball game. along with jumping up first. Alabama does it as well as anybody in the country. You look at every game for Alabama. Well, Clemson does the same exact thing. They jump up
1: early and really look to tighten the noose to force you to play from behind. I wonder if, uh, I, I don't want to overstate the importance of weather. We do that a little bit uh, this time of year. It's going to be freezing. It's going to be at night. Trevor Lawrence has never played a game in his entire career north of the state of Virginia. So is that any kind of a factor for Clemson? You know, yeah. some some quarterbacks, you know, they they grip a cold ball, their hand gets cold, they lose feeling, their accuracy goes down. Could that have some kind of an impact for Trevor Lawrence? This is a good veteran aggressive Boston College defense. Be very eager to see Zach Allen, the defensive end of Boston College, versus Mitch Hyatt, the left tackle for for Clemson. That's a matchup that really could impact Trevor Lawrence. So, I, I love the young player. I think he's going to have a great college career. He's a dynamic and very mature threat. But this is an interesting challenge for him to go up to Boston. It's a night game. Yeah. Has he played a night game yet? I don't uh, think he has. They, and they haven't been. This, the A and M game was that daytime or? Was oh, that the, that,
0: but he wasn't the starter. He wasn't the Kelly guy. Was, Kelly, yeah, Kelly, Kelly Bryant was, was the starter yeah. in that day. He did have a big touchdown pass in that ball game. But it, 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 this is front and center stage, eight yep. o'clock under the lights. Something to keep an eye out for in Chestnut Hill. We both like Clemson in that matchup, so we'll see how that game plays out at eight o'clock. When we come back, we'll be talking about the other games later tonight. Keep it where it is. 6879. The Fancy Sports Radio Network. Your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back on College Football Today, Joe Lisi Ritz-Sermonello and our cohort Gabe Morency, live in Piscataway. Michigan Rutgers. He's on the field. He's donning his Michigan jersey. And we'll see how that game plays out at 3.30 a little bit later. Huge battle in the ACC. We talked about it. It's Pitt. It's Virginia Tech. Intriguing battle. Pitt did lose this matchup last year in Blacksburg, Rich. By three points, they had an opportunity, I believe, to knock off Virginia Tech in the upset. Couldn't get it done. Pitt is streaking right now. And Virginia Tech coming off a very disappointing loss to Boston College last week. But I'm rolling the dice here. Give me Fuente. Give me the three points. I think Virginia Tech bounces back with the W later Hard today. to
1: figure either of these yeah. teams at this point. I mean, Virginia Tech has been a complete mystery, as it uh, looks like South Carolina might have scored again.
0: Yeah. Taking it to nothing, Florida. they're taking it to me right now. Yeah.
1: Um, the revenge of Will Muschamp. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, I mean, Pittsburgh's got momentum. Yeah. Pittsburgh has something to play for. Pittsburgh is at home. They have Darren Hall running the ball well. Defense, they're up and down. I mean, I can't figure out that pit defense for Pat Narduzzi, which has been a big disappointment. I expected more out of that Panther D for years under Narduzzi. But with an opportunity to uh, step closer to an ACC Coastal title and what that would mean to the program and the coach, I'm going to take Pittsburgh despite the fact that Virginia Tech has played better on the road than they have in Blacksburg this year.
0: Yeah, they're going to have to run the football. We'll see. I mean, that's been the weakness of Virginia Tech this year. They're allowing close to around 180 rushing yards per game against opposing offenses, so we'll see how that plays out. When you look at Pittsburgh, a run-heavy offense that's averaging 230 yards on the ground, also passing for 177 through the air. And when you look at the the other matchup for Virginia Tech and their quarterback, Willis, Pittsburgh's secondary has given up close to 250 per game in terms of the secondary. So Virginia Tech does strike early and often. That could be the recipe to get Pitt out of their comfort zone and win that matchup. Again, I'll, I'll roll the dice. I'll take Fuente as an underdog in that battle. The other matchup that I really like is Iowa State and Baylor. Now, Iowa State won this matchup last year in Waco by 10 points, but Baylor's won three of the last four In the series by 14 points per game, Charlie Brewer came off the bench last week, completed four of eight passes, 56 yards, two touchdowns, and led the victory over Oklahoma State. I really like the way Baylor's playing. They have an opportunity today to become bowl eligible. They're catching 17 points. I know they haven't played well on the road, but give me the points with Baylor. I think they're in this game from start to finish.
1: Yeah, I, my my main concern here, Joe, I talked about earlier, which is weather. Yeah. Uh, Baylor, obviously, in Texas, Waco, Texas, used to a very different climate. That offense, which is predicated on speed and motion and creating space against defenses, uh, is going to have a hard time against the best defense in the Big 12. Uh, the headline for me is... What Iowa State has been able to do and continues to do under Matt Campbell, uh, you know, th- this this will be the segment of the show when we, we pat Matt Campbell on the back, which we do every week, because he is doing a remarkable job for Iowa State. They have injected new talent, new energy into the offense with Brock Purdy. They run the ball with David Montgomery. Baylor will struggle to stop David Montgomery today. And that defense of Iowa State tops in the Big 12 right now. I'm going to say it. I-, I think Iowa State... Wins the rest of their games and appears in the Big 12 title game. I think it begins. they beat Oklahoma? They lost to Oklahoma. Can they? Can they? Uh, I don't think so. They lost by 10, 37 to 27. That was in Ames, though. That was in Ames. Yeah. I I think Oklahoma. I I can see an Oklahoma-Iowa State game because Iowa State gets Texas next week. They have Baylor today. I think it'll be closer than the line. Iowa State is typically a team that's better as an underdog than as a favorite. I think they beat Baylor. 17 is a heck of a high number, though.
0: Baylor's yeah. playing with confidence, yeah. too. and Iowa State to me is a better underdog than they are, yes, favorites. Exactly. even though they got the victory over West Virginia. I get that. I understand they've beaten some quality opponents. I just don't think they're there just yet. And again, they're going to have to run the football against Baylor. I mean, Baylor's allowing close to 190 rushing yards per game. David Montgomery in that offense is only averaging around 129 yards on the ground per game heading into this matchup, one of the worst uh, rushing offenses in in the lower half of FBS. But credit, I mean, Brock Purdy, Hakeem Butler, and Matt Campbell finds ways to get his playmakers on -on one-on-one opportunities. To me, that's the difference. Again, I think Iowa State does win, but I think Baylor's in this game from start to finish. They're fighting for bowl eligibility. And and credit Matt Rule, because I think they're the Iowa State of, of this year because I was on Iowa State last year, but they're starting to
1: buy in to the system. Big win last week against Oklahoma State. I mean, that that could have been the pivot point, the crossroads for the season. If they're going to make it into the postseason, which would mean so much to Baylor and Matt Rule, I think that changed on that comeback win over Oklahoma State. They battled. They battled to the end. Charlie Brewer's done a nice job. He's got good skill position talent. The addition of former Tennessee running back Jalen Hurd now catching passes for Baylor. That's a team on the the ups, but uh, Iowa State You know, Matt Campbell, I'll say it one more time. Uh, Somebody's going to potentially scoop that coach up. I I think a major program, if he's appearing in a Big 12 title game at Iowa State, when a lot of folks thought that Iowa State would be down this season, he's looking at a major promotion. Not sure what opening will be there. Mm -hmm. But that's a coach that can really uh, take it to the next level. And
0: and the one thing about Matt Campbell that he does better than any other coach is the offensive line play. Did it at Toledo. He's doing it at Iowa State. When he took over that that team two years ago, they were allowing close to 40 sacks per game, you know, uh, per year. He got it down to around 19 last year. This year they're protecting Brock Purdy. I mean, a true freshman quarterback that comes in and he's progressed in the system. And that's why he's making his reads and progressions because he has time to throw the football. So without a running game.
1: He's their third quarterback this yeah. year. Think about that. It was Kyle Kemp. It was Zeb, Zeb Nolan. Nolan. Now you're down to the true freshman, yeah. Brock Purdy. And then I'll throw this out there, too. The entire staff at Iowa State, if I asked you to name, or if I asked the average fan to name two Iowa State defensive players, I don't think they could yeah. do it. I don't think they could even name two defensive players, and they lead the Big 12 in defense. Now, I know things are all are relative. Big 12 defenses are not traditionally stingy, but... The the uptick in offense, and you mentioned Hakeem Butler's been fantastic, the mm-hmm. bid wide, big wide receiver on the outside. The uptick on offense, the play of the defense – They could go a long way in the Big 12. They play that type of
0: defense where they force you to work down the field. They force you to beat yourselves. And as long as you can do that, they don't give up a lot of big plays over the top. And that's why they're in each and every ballgame and match up against the Oklahomas, against the Oklahoma States, because they're not giving up those big plays where you see a wide receiver just all of a sudden, you know, 60 yards, nobody around them. They force you to throw short to intermediate routes. And they're always there. They tackle in space, too. And that's a, a testament to Matt Campbell and, and the defensive staff yep. for Iowa State. So yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. It's a 3:30 battle in Abe's a little bit later today. FS,
1: El- FS1 for that
0: game. FS1 for that game. So check that out at 3-30. The last game that we're going disc- to uh, talk about right now is LSU and Arkansas. LSU opened up as a 14-point favorite. It's down to 11 and a half, 12 in this ball game. Is there a hangover after that loss to Alabama? I mean, they got blown out. They got shut down. Eagle was shut up last week in Death Valley, I think there could be a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. Even though they're seventh in the nation,
1: I like Arkansas here to keep this game close. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm thinking of the Audible at this point. <laughs> because, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm logged in at LSU, but the more I think about it, uh, the spot really does favor Arkansas in this game because... You know, Razorbacks coming off a bye and buys are traditionally important yeah. for first year coaches this time of year. Not only are the kids getting healthy, but it's an extra week for the staff to work with the players that they inherited. So this is really a, ch- a chance to evolve for Arkansas, which has been playing gradually better. You know, Ty Story was injured, the quarterback earlier this year. Now he has a chance to get healthy. LSU, Joe, not only coming off of the emotional beatdown at the hands of Alabama, but first road game since October yeah. the sixth. They they haven't traveled in over a month. So the spot could favor Arkansas in this game line down to 11 and a half. It means more to Arkansas. I, I'm, listen, I'm penciled in for LSU, but would not be shocked if Arkansas gets the cover. And this
0: here. is one of these rivalries between both yeah. of these teams where crazy games happen. I mean, a, a few years ago when Les Miles was there, Arkansas went into LSU and knocked them off in Death Valley. Uh, two years ago, Darius guys had a huge day in Fayetteville, but again, You never know what you're going to get out of Joe Burrow and LSU now, especially with the – I mean, you had an opportunity to knock off the top-ranking team in the country. You didn't score a point. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and again, that factors into the mindset of an offense that's only averaging 190 rushing yards per game, but more importantly, only 170 passing yards per game. You have a quarterback in Ty Story – That has moved the football against some of the better teams. They put up 31 points, 34 points on Alabama. Alabama, So, I mean, this is not a joke in terms of what Morris has there. He's going to look to put the pedal to the metal and force LSU to match them uh, score for score. And and
1: again, it means a lot more to Arkansas right now than it does to LSU because LSU not only was demoralized by Alabama, but all of the goals that they had. I mean, this time last week they were looking at the possibility of still winning the SEC West, still winning an SEC title. That goes Away, so you have to wonder if if LSU is is motivated at a hundred percent to go into Fayetteville to, to face Arkansas. If you're thinking of taking the points, I, I think it does make sense. That's the reason why this line has come down so much. I am a little shocked that the committee put them at seven, though. I mean, you have
0: a, a one loss West Virginia team that they're ahead of. I mean, if I mean one loss,
1: uh, who is West Virginia being? They, they don't I, have I, I, West uh, Virginia does not have the quality wins. Like I don't, I don't look if, at two if, losses versus one. To me. LSU's losses are more palatable yeah. than than West Virginia's. They got beat beat up pretty bad yeah. by Iowa State. LSU has quality wins. Who is West Virginia beaten? But if West Virginia, let's say, runs the table,
0: do you you got to put them ahead of LSU with two losses. They would have right? a
1: conference championship as well. I, I would mean, have to say yes. I, I, yes. I think
0: it's okay. We're putting LSU ahead of you now. Now prove us wrong. I think that's what the committee's doing by, by actually putting LSU at number seven uh, against some of the other teams at one loss. Okay, you have one loss now, but run the table and prove otherwise that you're deserving to yeah. be ahead of LSU at this point. So I don't have a problem with it per se, but if they run the table, I would have a problem of, of still having LSU ahead of them at some point should they both win out of their game. I think the games.
1: committee, Joe, really values conference champions. Yeah. So you know, if, big, if the Big 12 champion is West Virginia – And they would have beaten Oklahoma then possibly in back-to-back weeks because they finished the regular season... Uh, in Morgantown, against Oklahoma, could face them in the Big 12 title game a week later. If that happens, I think West Virginia would, uh, would jump teams like LSU.
0: Yeah, quick update. Florida uh, trailing South Carolina. I need them to come back. They're down 14 to nothing in Gainesville. Look horrible on defense. Jake Bentley has thrown for two touchdown passes in that matchup. Kansas, Kansas State, no score. Vanderbilt, very intriguing here because... I mean, this is a Vanderbilt team that's played traditionally very well on the road this year. I mean, they got the victory over Arkansas in that matchup two weeks ago. Kyle Shermer's looked sharp, and now Missouri a little bit of a hangover after the dominating win over Florida. They were laying 17 points in this ballgame, Now 14-7. to 7. In Columbia, I'm shocked at that. And then Illinois playing better, tied 14 apiece with uh, Nebraska. of Illinois, you Yeah, know, they're getting uh,
1: better. Lovey has that offense starting to. He keeps his too. job, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think with a strong finish, if he wants to come back, he'll come back this year. Yeah, TCU
0: up 3 nothing on West Virginia, and then uh, Wisconsin did jump up 7 to nothing on Penn State. And Florida Mitch on the doorstep
1: Lee. looking to score a touchdown. Uh, I like to just say, well, that's good. Let's just keep it. Florida just, on the five-yard yeah. line. They're getting <laughs> close to scoring. You know, he, well, nope. feels jinxy to no, you? No, 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 no.
0: Ohio State, Michigan State, I've been watching this game as the, uh, the show's progressed. Defense a battle, battle, both offenses cannot move the football. That favors Michigan State early, early on now because you would think, again, Ohio State, a one-dimensional offense, hasn't run the football the way Urban Meyer wants it. That's going to put a lot of pressure on Haskins as the second half and, and second quarter play out. Yeah, I mean, listen,
1: rough year for Ohio State. I mean, they have the talent to be competing for a playoff spot in a Big Ten championship. They have just been so inconsistent, unpredictable. Two of the areas that surprised me, Joe, is the offensive line, underachieved, defense underachieved that's not acceptable for Ohio State I wonder if there's some uh, residual effect to the offseason you know they had the problems with Zach Smith the assistant coach Urban Meyer was uh, was suspended for the first couple of weeks we saw Ryan Day on the sidelines it seems like this whole year has been chaotic and I wonder if that just uh, has yet to go away Well, what about this to uh, Nick Bosa Got hurt, different type of defense, but his leadership.
0: We saw Devin White last week with LSU, missed the first half. To me, the uh, LSU defense came out flat in that ballgame. You know, how big of a loss is Nick Bosa? I mean, not just from a playering perspective, but from the leadership perspective of a defense. Because a defense takes on a, a mentality per se. And they haven't played. I want to say Ohio State defense in terms of you see a lot of missed tackles, especially in that Purdue loss. They don't tackle in space fairly well like they have in recent years. That factors, and and again, if they're going to be a playoff team, and more importantly, challenge Michigan, even though they've owned Michigan's number, they're going to be they're going to have to play much better defensively.
1: Yeah, listen, you you, you don't get better by losing. What I think is if not the best player in college football, one of the two or three best players in college football. He's a difference maker every time the opponent has the ball. Nick Bosa, that is. But it's just, it's not an acceptable excuse for me because you're Ohio State. I mean, your defense is just littered with blue chippers, with five-star players, with top high school talent. You still have a Draymond Jones. You still have a Chase Young along the defensive line. You still have a Jordan Fuller in the secondary. They're littered with stars on defense. So yeah, of course, it hurts to lose Nick Bosa, the leadership, the talent, the pressure that he creates, but... Man, this defense, even early in the season, even when Nick was there, they were still getting gashed for big plays. Who was the opener for Ohio State? Uh, Oregon State. Oregon State. Oregon State, they gave up a couple yeah, of big they plays. They gave up 35
0: points to yeah. Luton in that offense. Now, granted, Oregon State's impressed me in terms of not. You know, they're not gonna be world beaters in the Pac twelve, but they're yeah. fighting for Jonathan Smith. They're getting better each and every week. I saw them fall behind 21-0 to USC. They battled from behind the Colorado the, win. And right? they were they were in that yeah. ball game. So that's all as a young head coach, when you take over a program in year number one. That's what you want to see, are the kids fighting from the first quarter to the fourth
1: quarter. If they're doing that, it's much easier to instill that type of philosophy. Well, and that and that brings me back to tonight's game between Florida State yeah. and Notre Dame, because, you know, uh, uh, the talent is there. Talent is always there at Florida State. They don't have any problem attracting no. uh, top talent uh, throughout the state of Florida. But is the heart there? Yeah. Can Willie Taggart get these kids to be passionate, to play clean football to play without mistakes to play for 60 minutes on both sides of the ball that's what it, that's what it's going to take even without Ian Book that's what it's going to take for Florida State to stay in it against Notre I Dame I will say this I, I'm intrigued to watch
0: that game because they will be donning retro unis so keep an eye out for that Florida State well Florida State all white and uh, Notre Dame all green so check that nice. out at 7 30 nice. so good optics very great optics. When we come back, it's best bet time. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritzer, Manello taking you the rest of the way right here from Studio 34. on college football today it's that time best pick time I already gave out my 12 o'clock best bets but if you want in game we were both on Wisconsin I'm on the Gators even though they're down 14 to nothing I think they'll bounce back and Michigan State no score with Ohio State a little bit later in the second quarter I like Mississippi State here with the 23 points I think Alabama wins but Nick Fitzgerald finds a way to keep this game close. Give me the 16 and a half with Baylor. Think they're in striking distance every step of the way. I'm taking Florida State with the points. I don't care that Ian Book isn't playing. I like them with Ian Book playing. Florida State and James Blackman, I like them. Later today, they lose by 10 points or less to Notre Dame. Give me the Hurricanes. Upset City. They don't need the 3.5 points. Miami dominates that matchup against Georgia Tech. They've won four of the last five. Over the the uh, Yellow Jackets, including last year, twenty five to twenty four.
1: That that my turn. Yeah, it's your turn. Yeah, I, I feel good about my best bets today. Um, we're off to a good start with Wisconsin. I think that's uh, seven seven. We're getting uh, north of a touchdown. I think for our purposes for the show, we were getting eight points. Uh, So I like Wisconsin. I'm against Joe, uh, which usually doesn't bode well for me. Joe usually beats me when we're head to head, but I like Ohio State. I I think the talent in the end uh, will prove to be too much for Michigan State, which is banged up and, and facing a lot of attrition, particularly on offense. Uh, Ohio State has won six straight in East Lansing. I think they make it seven in a row today. Those are my only 12 o'clockers. Okay, uh, the rest of the day, guys, I think I have a preponderance of winners here. Auburn over Georgia, rivalry game. Auburn getting more than two touchdowns. Georgia wrapped up the SEC East last week, and I think this really matters to Auburn. It's been a tough season. Now they have a chance to, you know, kind of really take a swipe at a rival that's still looking to uh, to make the playoffs. So Auburn getting 14 and a half, I like the Tigers. Northwestern getting more than 10 points makes absolutely no sense to me. They've won 12 of their last 13 Big Ten games, six of those on the road, 3-0 this year on the road, facing an Iowa team which is struggling offensively. The one thing Northwestern does is they play tough defense. They can throw the ball with Clayton Thorson. I think this is a one-possession game. You want to give me more than 10 points, I will take it. Utah... Yeah, I I put in Utah before the Zach Moss news that he was going to be out. Hopefully that brings the line down a little bit. But Utah at home in a bounce-back situation against Oregon – and a new quarterback, new running back—that's tough. But the defense will prevail against Justin Herbert. I like Utah laying a field goal over Oregon. How about Arizona State? Yeah, we haven't talked much about Herm and yeah. ASU today. Huge win. You had it last week. You had it in spades last week because they dominated Utah. They're doing it offensively. They play pressure defense under their coordinator Joe Danny Gonzalez. Look at that offense: Manny Wilkins, Eno Benjamin for ASU. <laughs> what the hell is going on there? His my papers picks, are all over the my, place. My picks are possessed. <laughs> my picks are starting to fly away. I like ASU minus... I'm probably talking too long, that's why. ASU minus 12.5 over UCLA. I don't think UCLA has enough defense to control Nikhil Harry, Eno Benjamin, and Manny Wilkins. Uh, I'm with Joe. Miami. You know what Miami does well under Mark Richt? They run sideline to sideline. <laughs> <laughs> they, st- better, better, they stop the triple option. They do. What did Mark Richt do in his Georgia days against Georgia Tech? He died. He knows how to stop the triple option. I... Miami's fading. I think this is a game they step up. The defense has been terrific. The offense is awful. Back to Nicozy Perry at quarterback. I don't like that, but I don't. (sighs) I think defense prevails. I think they shut down the triple option. I'm taking USC minus five and a half against Cal. Yeah. I I think Cal is so one dimensional, folks. They play good defense. Cal, uh, USC's athletes, Akas Cedric Ware, the running back, over 200 yards last week, a compliment for JT Daniels. I like USC laying five and a half. And uh, that's it. My picks are possessed, which well, means... I feel like uh, <laughs> you had 100
0: picks. I'm going to call you Game 2.0. I don't, I don't feel like you were rattling off for an hour. It's Game Marenzi, game the I- sequel. I'll, I'll, I'll just say this quickly about Miami, because we'll get into that ballgame. It comes down to speed for me. I mean, you're talking about the team in college football that has the most rushing yards per game in Georgia Tech. They're averaging 377 yards per game. But Miami's defense, you want... Players that can run sideline to sideline to disrupt running lanes. Miami's only allowing 141 passing yards per game. They're holding opposing offenses to 123 rushing yards on the ground. And more importantly, here's the one matchup, the real reason why I like Miami. Third down defense, as bad as they become from a record perspective. Still holding opposing offenses to 23% on third downs. They held Duke to 3-16 of last week. I know it was rain. I know it was a muddy game. But, you know, against Boston College, 33%. Against Virginia, 30%. I like that recipe. When you force three and outs, and more importantly, force Georgia Tech to beat you with the passing game, you have an opportunity. Coupled with the fact that Georgia Tech's defense giving up forty-eight percent on third downs as well, I think that, I think Miami wins this ball game. And I'm with you. It's
1: funny. I mean, we don't always mesh in terms of picks, but this yeah. was one of the first ones that I saw when the week came out. Yeah, when the week came out, the first one of the first things I thought was everybody's down on Miami, but that defense has been terrific. Gerald not Willis, the same and, defense in terms of turnovers, but they're a
0: different defense. Yeah, it, yeah. you're
1: right. It's it's not necessarily turnover chain esque like it was in 2017, but very stout at the point of attack. Gerald Willis, the former Florida Gator transfer, former blue chipper. Uh, from Florida transferred and really is having the kind of salary run season that's attracting a lot of attention from NFL scouts in the middle. I want to
0: just throw out some games that I'm looking at quickly. I'll just rapid fire them. I like Oregon State over Stanford. Again, I said it last week. I I was wrong in terms of the spread, but they did get the victory Washington over Stanford. I think Stanford's a tired football team. They can't run the football Oregon State catching twenty four. They lost this ball game fifteen to fourteen last year. I'm not saying they win, but I think they're in this ball game from start to finish. And Stanford, I think I said it before, they lose to Cal in two weeks when they when they play that ball game.
1: Yeah, you might be right. I mean, Stanford's had a very difficult season. David Shaw. I wonder if the bloom is a little bit off his rose. I, I, I it's it's unimaginable to me that you could have Bryce Love and what was supposed to be one of the better offensive lines in the country and still be ranking near the bottom of the 130-team FBS. So... You know, I mean, he's he's taken a little bit of a step back at Stanford. They're not championship caliber any longer. And Jonathan Smith, to your point, has those kids competing week in and week out. It's very different for an Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State being sub 500 and out of the bowl mix is a lot different than it would be for a team like TCU, which is under 500 and had different expectation. Oregon State is still fighting. They have quality running backs. Uh, Artavis Pierce, Jamar yeah. Jefferson, the young kid. They have quality kids out of the backfield. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep this close. And they have a signal caller in Luton that can move the yeah.
0: football. If he did it against USC, there's no reason why he can't attack big Stanford.
1: Big kid, big arm, yeah. and, and, and little by little, yeah. Oregon State is building they're a looking foundation. looking forward to next year, jobs. You know, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Matt Rule and Baylor yeah. last and, year. And
0: Iowa State, they're yeah. fighting. They're losing closer games, and they're reaching in each and every battle. Here's one I couldn't get my handle on. Purdue, obviously. Obviously they have an opportunity to win the conference uh, title, their division against Minnesota and P.J. Fleck lined open up at 12, 12 and a half. I think Minnesota, they play them traditionally tough. I'll take the 10 and a half year. I don't love it, but I like Minnesota with the points in that ballgame.
1: Yeah. You know, P.J. Uh, P.J. fired his defensive yeah. coordinator. So uh, during the week, you know, uh, a new defensive coordinator, Rob Smith, is out. So you have some some new injection of uh, staff ideas or staff energy. Minnesota has just fallen off a cliff this year. You know, they lost Rodney Smith earlier in the year. They're working with a young quarterback. But the defense, which was solid in September, has just disappointed ever since. I, I mean, conventional wisdom would tell me that it's Purdue because you have David Blau. You have a lot to play for. Uh, you have Rondale Moore, you have DJ Knox, Marcus Bailey on defense. Better team, but going on the road, I wonder if they can cover that many yeah. points. It's a lot of points for Purdue to give up away from home.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, granted, he's doing a fantastic job. After yeah. they lost three straight, they're focused. They're playing as well as anybody, and that was a gutty win over Second Iowa. Second straight year. Yeah. I thought he
1: did a good job in his yeah, debut at Purdue as well. He did.
0: Kentucky, Tennessee is an intriguing battle. Kentucky, five, five-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm taking the points with Tennessee. They uh, Again, I was on them a couple of weeks ago. Garantano slowly moving the football through the air, and that's why I like Tennessee. One-dimensional offense in Kentucky on the road in Tennessee. Yeah. Well, like
1: they're into this game. They know Kentucky. They can't lose to Kentucky again, back to back years. Well, they, they need it for bowl eligibility. Yeah. This is a four and five team. You're, this is going to surprise you. I like I, Kentucky? I, I do like Kentucky. I don't like the game really. I would take the, the reason. There. And, and you're pro- we're probably on the same page, Joe. And the reason why I don't like the game is because of the spot on the schedule. It's the week after Georgia. You're fired up at home. Now you have to go on the road to Tennessee. I, I just think this is a different Kentucky team. I I think they're so good defensively, and they run the ball so well. Tennessee is challenged on offense. You know, Garantano has had a little bit of success lately, but Tennessee as a whole... They beat Charlotte 14-3. to They managed two touchdowns, 14 points against the Charlotte 49ers of Conference USA. So they have major problems on offense. I'm going to bank on the fact that Kentucky still has something left in the tank after Georgia last week. I think they're a much better football team. Tennessee struggles to score. Benny Snell gets it going on the ground. I actually like Kentucky. Came close to calling it a best bet, but then I looked and said, on the road the week after Georgia, I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I'm intrigued to see what Tennessee team comes to play? Can they show consistency in that matchup? We'll see. It's a, I believe it's a seven o'clock kick. In, do you
1: in, have a, you have a good memory, better memory than I do. Who else does Tennessee have other than Vanderbilt? Because I'm looking at that schedule, four and five. You have Kentucky today. I, uh, you have Vandy. They, Who's dude, the other game? I think game? they have an FCS game. Okay. I, if it, I, I believe. If it's I FCS, double, then there's a legitimate shot to I get I to the postseason. believe it's
0: an FCS because I know Florida plays Idaho later uh, after this game with South Carolina. Yeah. So we'll see how that game plays out. Don't quote me on that one, but
1: I, I don't think. I think it, you're right because a lot of SEC teams next yes. week, Texas A&M plays UAB. Yes.
0: Yeah. So next week but is. Alabama and Auburn. before yeah. the. It's a down week for the SEC yeah. next week in that matchup. One game that everybody. Uh, was talking about uh, it's at a conference, it's Temple in Houston, I like King. I like Major Applewhite here. To me, I mean, I've been all over Temple. A granted, blue-collar type of team. They stepped up over 680 yards, of total offense against UCF. Couldn't cover that number. It it opened at 12 and dipped down to 10.5 by game time. I think this is a bad matchup. I'll go with the Cougars at home. Speed kills. They attacked that Temple secondary just uh, the way Mackenzie Milton did.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I like Houston in this game. I think a lot of people jumped off the Houston ship because of the Shocking loss to SMU last week. I mean, did anybody see that coming? That was a that was a that was a real death SMU's blow. SMU's
0: been playing better. I yeah. had them against Cincinnati. I was I was. Their defense is slowly coming around under not statistically under Sonny Dykes, but they're they're playing more physical. Their performance. Th- they yeah. are so, and they're up now. I mean, well, I, I believe
1: they're winning now in their in their matchup against UConn. Here, here was my thought at the beginning of the week. We, Seventeen to seven. I, I I thought this line would have been closer to ten. I, I look at yeah. the speed of Houston, their ability to score points. Last week notwithstanding, if it was prior to last week, I think this line would have been about nine, nine and a half points. Last I saw it was four. Maybe that line has changed. It's. Uh, I just think it's too low. Yeah. I, I, Houston scores too fast, has too much speed on offense. Uh, speed defensively as four and well. a
0: half. Four. I mean, it's now, back-to-back road games. I like Temple the Russo too.
1: kid. We yeah, talked I about it him. last I week after the year. I think he's a legitimate player. Uh, Anthony Russo, the quarterback mm-hmm. for Temple. But going to Houston, a faster team... The ability for Houston to score as quickly as they do. I like the Cougars. I, 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 the Cougars, I think that's a small line.
0: Yeah, a couple of games that are underway, just intriguing. Ole Miss, Texas A&M tied at seven. And then you have Duke and North Carolina. Duke was a 10-point favorite in this matchup. Tied 14 apiece in the
1: second quarter. Yeah, which another is, rivalry game. Yeah. You got to be careful giving that many points in a rivalry game.
0: Yeah, here's one. BYU trails UMass 10-7, laying 13 points. UMass is terrible in terms of run support. They're giving up 270 rushing yards per game. You have kids that are 27 years old yeah, yeah. on the offensive line. You would think Kalani Satake, run the football. Run the football. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Don't put the ball. I mean, Tanner Magnum is a solid quarterback, but why are you looking to pass the football? Run it against. I, I, I don't have an opinion in this matchup, but you would think that the, that that would be the recipe. If they fall behind in this matchup, it could be lights out. Have you watched Andy, Andy, Andy Isabella this
1: year? on and a wide off. receiver from UMass. He's, he's, he's not, been he's, fantastic. I know he's putting up yeah. huge statistics, huge I, Mark Whipple has had a tough year at UMass, but, but offensively when the quarterbacks are healthy, when Andrew Ford is healthy with Andy Isabella on the outside, that's an offense that can surprise people. So it's interesting that they're off to a fast start and sataki has got to win. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat. I'm not going to go that far, but this is his second disappointing season in a row at BYU, which is uh, just not acceptable in Provo. A yeah,
0: couple of updates, uh, Indiana 7-6 over Maryland. So that uh, tight game, Maryland two field goals couldn't convert inside the red zone. And then TCU defense all of a sudden hanging, around. Of, hanging around three up against West Virginia, which is intriguing because, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Kyler Murray towards that defense, they... Kansas State moved the football, and now Will Greer all of a sudden. Maybe a started. hangover effect for West Virginia? You would think. I I, I can't put my – that's what makes college football different. There's no consistency from week to week sometimes, and that's why you have to credit Nick Saban and the crew because they do step up each and every week. Missouri driving against Vanderbilt, that's going to be a game I'm curious. I'm going to watch after the show is over uh, because I want Vanderbilt to win that matchup, actually. I. He deserves it, I think, Derek Mason. The way he's got that team, they fight hard each and every week, fighting to become bowl eligible. This would
1: be a quality win over Missouri. Little avocado toast, little Kyle <laughs> Shermer. Does it get any better than avocado toast? I'm gonna go woohoo! And the 14, Commodores. Fourteen apiece,
0: Florida and South Carolina. It so it's a shootout yeah, it has is. developed. It is fourteen is it? A, keep an eye out for this. I'm just saying I know, but oh I'm boy. watching this game play out. Fourteen to nothing, UCF, but Navy is starting to put together drives, and I'm not suggesting in any way that they win this matchup. But they're catching 24 and a half, 25. If they get a touchdown early here in the second quarter, they'll slow the tempo down, and that could disrupt the the, the
1: train, the offensive train for Josh Heupel and the crew. Yeah, uh, Joe, give give the fans your one game. That is your absolute lock of the day. When you take a look at Joe's got uh, Joe Joe's been doing well, and Joe has some best bets I'm best gonna get to. I was thinking it's Miami and Florida State tonight. Don't, Florida State, you're that high I'm on. I'm that high okay. on. I think
0: if Blackman starts, it's Florida State. Yeah. It's Miami. For and me, I like I like Baylor, but not as much.
1: For me, it's Arizona State. Is it real? It is because I I think Herm has these kids playing that so I confidently. That, I can't push that button. And, and UCLA does not have the offensive line to contain the speed of that Arizona State defense with the young quarterback. I think Arizona State gets up early. UCLA is forced to have to press, forced to have to play in comeback mode. And I, I think I think something changed last week, really, the last two weeks. Yeah. Look at what Arizona State did. They went into the Coliseum and they beat USC. Last week, that was Coliseum, wasn't it? You're looking at me two like weeks. I said something I think, wrong.
0: No, it was two weeks ago. Two weeks they beat ago. Utah. Yeah, yeah. Utah. two weeks ago, right.
1: two weeks ago, they went into the Coliseum and beat USC. Correct. Last week. They beat Utah, which was the favorite at that time in the Pac-12 South. So you have some signature back-to-back wins as long as they stay motivated. And I think Herm is good at keeping the kids focused and motivated. I like Arizona State to roll big over UCLA as they possibly get closer to a South Division title.
0: Wow. We'll see how that plays out for Rich Sermonello and Gabe Morenci. I'm Joe Lisi. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the games. We'll see you next Saturday.